This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my buddy Nate Tyson. Nate, how are you? Doing great. We only have a half dozen weeks of games left and i i don't like that at all i'm doing great other than that uh you know week 11 was another fun sunday after a good thursday game and you know i'm, I'm just not ready for that we got six six weeks left of this and, and then the playoffs i just I, I just don't like that though i have no idea what week it was i kept thinking it was week 12 <laughs> today and every time i punch nfl week 12 into google which is how i look for the schedule Me i don't too. there's probably a more efficient way to do it but that's always how i do it I'm hoping I'm right every time. I'm always like, I think I'm weird. And then you look at the news articles for fan, like also because whatever comes on with Google is the fantasy articles. And then you're like, is this the right week? No, he's not hurt this week. Oh, shoot. I'm on the wrong week. I do it every single time. And every time I punched in week 12, the Thanksgiving games come up and I was like, God damn it. I can't get this right for whatever reason this week. Also, I'm in on the East Coast and I do not like it. It's currently twelve seventeen a.m. I'm recording this on Monday morning. Technically, I, I shouldn't be responsible for anything that I say. It's a long ass day. I got like a real workout in and ate lunch, oh, wow. and the game still hadn't started yet. I was like, "What is happening right now? This is gonna be way too long of a day." But the day did not disappoint. You and I were both talking about how we were excited about Colts Packers, which lived up to the building, even though it didn't mm-hmm. seem like it was going to for the first half. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to Sean Payton getting the last laugh man i mean yeah (laughs) we will discuss that (laughs) big day from deshaun watson huge win for the titans before we get to any of that though let's start with the sunday night game which everything you could have wanted from that game i think on several different levels all the points you could have wanted going into it and i think despite the outcome which is an outcome we've gotten used to right just patrick Mm -hmm. mahomes horror villain that he is marching through inevitable unstoppable in the end is always going to make it happen it seems it's not worth having hope when patrick mahomes is on the other sideline but if we aside from that even if the ending wasn't what you wanted i think overall the product is probably what you would have wanted to see as a raiders fan i came out of this being more optimistic about the raiders than i did coming into it i don't know how you feel I do. I mean, we've seen so much with the Raiders. Their offense has just been really fun throughout yeah. the entire year. We know their defense. They, I mean, they did whatever they did to the Broncos last week, but their defense is still a big question mark. They're still figuring it out. But on offense, they have they're just fun. Like they they run some great run game stuff. They're you can see what they're trying to do in the passing game, and we we're going to talk about Carr probably in a minute and like the improvement he's shown already. But it is funny, like that Mahomes is just gonna always, you know, he is the the villain, he is the serial, the slasher killer because he's always gonna get to that final scene. So no matter what happens throughout the entire game, he's gonna be there at the end. You always know he's gonna be there for that last ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> so you have to figure out what what the path is that he gets there. Is it just destruction behind him, or is it just that final fight scene with you know Jamie Lee Curtis in the closet? It's just gonna be one of those two things. Oh, but see, I'm, I see Linda Hamilton and just okay. the Terminator Two in the factory where he just won't die. That's just how it feels like. Yeah, yeah. you got to put him in the. If you don't put him in the bucket of just boiling hot magma. There is no way 
that he is not coming after you. That's how it feels with him at this point. And tonight, Derek Carr played that role of the last woman or last man standing (laughs) until Patrick Mahomes. And I'm curious what you've seen from Derek Carr this year, because we talked a lot about the Raiders on Wednesday's show. Vic and Tashawn were on. We did kind of a deep dive on where they're at. And I think that they've surprised a lot of people in the win-loss column. But like you said, their offense has been fun. And it's been effective and it's been well put together. They just have a purpose behind their stuff. They're making things easy on their guys. And tonight was no exception. But I think at the center of that is Derek Carr, because you could have said similar things about their offense last year. And I think that Gruden, for the most part, has been a great play caller since he's come back. And he's been even more impressive than I thought. But if I were kind of pointing out the difference between this year's Raiders team and last year's Raiders team and building a case for why we should be paying more attention to them. It's the steps that Derek Carr has taken to be an even more dangerous quarterback. So you have a ton of experience with Derek Carr. You worked with Derek Carr. You know him extremely well. Walk me through just you know how closely you worked with him when you were in Oakland, what you saw from him then, and what you think is different about the guy you're watching now. Yeah, I was with Derek for two years, and I was in the quarterback room the whole time. I was a quality control coach there. And with Derek is... I think something that's been overlooked with him is he is a very cerebral player Mm -hmm. and it's very knowledgeable with protections and very knowledgeable just with the game of football. He's a big student of the game. I actually have said, I've said this in the past is that he, it sometimes works against him is that he's already on step five when he should be going through the process to get to step five and getting in that process, maybe allow him to do something else rather than throwing the ball away or checking the ball down, which is something we've pulled our hair out about with Derek over the years and it's fun to see him. And this I want to say is, really quickly, yeah, that I, independent of you, I had a conversation with Bill Musgrave recently, who okay. was in, who was the offensive coordinator for that team. Yep. And he said, yeah. compared to, and he's coached young quarterbacks through his entire career. He coached Christian Potter when he was a rookie. He coached Byron Leftwich when he was a rookie. He coached Matt Ryan when he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. And he said to me specifically, he could put more on Derek Carr's plate mentally than any of the other young quarterbacks he ever worked with. So I've also heard that independent of your experience. So continue. Yeah. And that's the thing is like he, we have quarterback center meetings that every week then it goes over protections. You kind of like they, we're all usually on the same wavelength but you know there might be something that ronnie hudson wanted to call differently that or we have to talk something through might be a unique look that we all saw and Derek and ronnie were always in lockstep with everything they go and you could see tonight was so much fun because we got to hear how much communication was going on on both sides and i mean collinsworth was going nuts about it too and it was a lot of fun it was really fun it was cool because you got to see it it's two quarterbacks that communicate a lot and so it was every play. It was just not just a third down pressure look. It was like, no, every single play, you can hear all the chatter. Hey, you're good here. Hey, where, where are you pointing to? No. Hey, Mike 74 or Mike 54, you know, all we're that good, stuff. We're good. And they, we're I, good. Like, Henry, I need you. Or like Darren, I need yeah. you here. It's just, it's amazing how casual some of the dialogue is yep. in those moments when everything is so high stakes and so frantic. It's crazy when you uh, you get that comfort level, especially with Rodney and Derek. That's why a quarterback center pairing is so He's also on a different level, too. Yeah. I mean, he's just the best. I, I, when I was with him uh, those two years, I, I, I was kind of said was like, uh, like we should test him for spatial awareness because he is probably <laughs> the point zero 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 one percent that he's in a three point stance and he can just see stuff. And it's just, it's crazy because Derek will walk up and go, hey, you see, and Rod, you, you hear Rod because he has a real thick Alabama accent. I go, we're good. 
And then you just hear that or just, you just, that's all you hear in their communication. And it's just like, no, but there's such pros. And with Derek though, it's sometimes you almost want to take away the check down from him. Almost like, Hey, throw it deep. Just, you have to throw it here because Derek would be like, ah, I don't really like it. I'm going to check it down. Hey, I don't really like it. I'm going to throw it away. And there'd be a game where he might get ticked off or a coaching point happened the whole week and he'll be aggressive throughout the entire game. And it's like, Oh, that's good. Then next week he reverts right back to it this year though is they took away last year with this offense. You start seeing some pieces and seeing this flashes, this explosiveness and this run game. They're going run game and quick game. And I felt that was kind of redundant. If you have a good run yeah, game, you don't it, need a quick game. It's almost like a waste. It's a waste. And so I think what they they realized that too, they took rugs early, which you know I, I'm not going to be a huge fan of, but he is going to be a nice complimentary piece at some point. It's, it's really rough. Hey, I know. It's really rough. And I was thinking that exact thing yeah. today. And I, I was watching them a lot last week. And you're seeing the space that he creates. Yep. And that's great. And it's nice to have that space. And it absolutely has a use and it has utility. Yes. But you don't need to draft that space 10th overall. It's, that's the difference. The, you can as find a lottery speed pick. in a yeah. lot of places. Anyway. Yes. No, it's that's so true. I know when they took him, it was just like, of course they did. But it's like, that's what I got. Why it was they wanted to take the top off because they want to hit intermediate. Yeah, dude, but you could find the top off un, in an undrafted guy. Third round, Dave, fifth Jaylen, round, sixth Jaylen round. Guyton and Khalif Raymond can take the top. Scotty off. Miller in the sixth round. Your boy. Yes. Like You can take undrafted guys all the time. It's it's such a a quality it's like finding a home run hitting dh like you're gonna find it like you know it's you're gonna find it's the rebounding uh a low post threat off the bench for you and the center like they're they're these replaceable qualities but i digress but it's it, but here's the important thing about that yeah i think if you're really trying to scheme and build aggressiveness into him and your offense you're mm-hmm. almost paying to force Carr into that mindset. Yeah. I think we've seen a little bit more of that from him this year. Would you say the willingness to push the ball is the main contrast between the guy you're watching now and the guy you were with five years ago? I would say, yeah, pushing the ball and also just creating stuff with his legs. I yeah. when, My last year with Derek, he wasn't scrambling at all. Like it, it, He was low, low, low scramble rate. And he now, it's still not you know going to be anywhere high, but at least he's doing something. Because if you're not going to scramble as, as at the quarterback position, you, and teams can just run man defense against you. And if you're not going to yeah. dice him up, a guy's not winning, or you're not going to dice him up with a throw, you have to turn and scramble because guys are going to have their back to you, and you can maybe get some cheap third down conversions or second down conversions. But now it's it's he was never doing or that. Or get out of the pocket it. and make a throw out of the pocket. Yes. So somebody comes yes. to you, you're making a play with your arm. Changing the defense with your legs, even if you're not taking off. Yeah, and it also helps out the coaches because sometimes not the coaches aren't always throwing fastballs, as we all know. So it's <laughs> it's so it, but that's what it can help. It's like sometimes the coaches are dialing up some great stuff, and you don't have to create. But sometimes maybe they're not, or a guy's not winning initially. We saw Mahomes. We, Mahomes does it. I mean, we all know just does everything well, but. A guy like a Kelsey will run a route, and if that was any other quarterback or a quarterback that just stays in the pocket and doesn't create that extra second of separation, yeah, he creates a throw, and that's creating throws. Some guys do it by literally throwing the ball guy open, and there's some great guys that do that, but also a guy might create an angle, almost like a little mini sprint out, and Derek's doing that more. It's it's even the touchdown to Witten. I mean, the the throw was a duck, but it it went on the spot. And he moved. It was it was great. But he's doing it more consistently. It used to be once a game, and it would be like, oh, my God, can you do this like eight times a game? And now he's doing it maybe four or five times a game. Even that little ad-lib flip to Waller when he was getting yes. out of pressure on the left side where he pops it over somebody. Even th- those sorts of plays just 
they weren't happening very often because he didn't have the ball in his hands long enough to make them happen. Let alone (laughs) is he moving around. It was out so fast. And I think that's a big difference. The types of plays they're looking for. And it really does seem to all be coming together. Tonight's a really crushing loss, but it's a crushing Mm -hmm. loss to the team that crushes your soul. It's not surprising. I think that we have to step back from the result and just think about what that game looked like for four quarters. And I think the question now is, and I will get to it in a second, just where I think they can go and how you think they fit into the AFC picture. Before we do that, though, so there are some f- the communication part was definitely, in my opinion, the thing that stood out from this broadcast and just the different games that we've seen. So a lot of one word audibles came up today. Mm-hmm. They use Harden for an ISO run. There were a couple yeah. other ones that just made me smile. So I'm curious in your days, just in quarterback meetings coming up with stuff did you have a favorite one word play call or one word audible call you know so with words especially at the nfl level you kind of keep them a little bit serious you might have some fun stuff but like college signals that was the best because then you get you know there there's a jerk in every offense you know there's a a hard in a lot of offenses so you get you know you got, you got a bunch of college kids like of course they're and the, and the, the coach doesn't care sorry Children. mom yeah. And I mean, in, in the NFL, it'd be maybe a couple of little jokes or maybe an inside joke like, hey, a hard count is named after the or the the long count is named after the old line coach because he takes forever, you know, something like that. Yeah. But the only one I had was we had a play down in the red zone. It was like just how the formation was because it was kind of like a, a very designery play, but we ran it a lot. So then rather than saying this 12, 14 word play, we're like, hey, let's just shorten it down so we can just say formation, protection and just this word. And so we're thinking, thinking, and in the play, it had naked, it had slide, it had a number in it. And so my idea at the time, and I'm, you know, the youngest guy on the staff, I was like, oh, how about Instagram? And everyone kind of was like, what? And I was like, oh, slide and, and naked. And, and it was just one of those things where everyone's like, oh my God, shut up, Nate. But it was like, that was like, my, but I was like, <laughs> I'm oh, sure hey. you were so proud of it. And then they just so shout over it. But I'm the same age as the player. So I'm like, they're going to know that like, Hey, this is, this is good coaching. You know, but you know, young and That's stupid, really I, I threw it out there. And then I was like, okay, I know my role. I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> so the Raiders are six and four now, which disappointing when you could have won that game and really kind of been in the driver's seat in the wild card race in the AFC. But if you're looking at this seven and three teams in the playoff picture in general in the AFC, we're going to get to the Ravens. They're on the outside looking in right now, which is kind of crazy to think about considering the hopes they had coming into the season, but it's been a rough ride. The Dolphins also also on the outside looking in. We have the Browns, Raiders, Titans, Colts, all kind of jumbled up there at that seven and three, six and four mark. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Raiders have a chance to be the most dangerous team of that group. Do you think of that collection of teams, they have the best shot to knock off, whether it's the Steelers, the Chiefs, if we really get down to it here in the postseason? So you're saying the Titans, Browns, Ravens, Dolphins? Yeah, all the teams in like that AFC wildcard picture. Oh, man. I How the Titans play today, I, I really uh, am just liking what they do. But yeah, it's, man, okay. that's tough. But, but then, yeah, but then, I don't know, I'm talking about both sides of my mouth because then you got the Ravens and... I think with with the Raiders, I just think their defense is just a year away. I think they can be a fun, interesting team, and what if they do make the playoffs? Whatever game they're going to be in is going to be a fun little explosion. You know, it's the firework factory. Yeah, but I, I I think they're a year away from being like making a lot of noise. If they win a playoff game, that would be astounding. I, I think they're just still, but they're I think they're legit playoff team in the sense that it's not like they're getting lucky. I think they are a team that deserves a wild card spot though. I just See, think, I think they have the best offense of all of these teams. 
Really? And okay. It, I, well, I, of all I, those teams, if, of Tennessee, the Colts, the, the the Dolphins, the Browns, the Raiders, I think the Raiders have the best offense of that entire group. Let's say they get Brown back. They might mm-hmm. get Incognito back by the end of the season. Yep. So let's say their offensive line is healthy. You have a pass-catching group where Nelson Aguilar suddenly looks like a very real NFL yeah. player. And you have Waller, Jacobs. I think that, again, rugs whatever the value of it is, yeah. that for- piece in the formula matters. I just like how it all fits together. I think that by season's end, they could be definitively the best offense in that group. And that's the side of the ball I'm just more willing to bet on because I just think it's mm-hmm. more consistent. I think you're bringing it every week. And I just have more faith in their offense than anybody else right now. I know that's strange to say, but I really like what they're doing on that side of the ball. They're consistently scoring points. You're not. Yes. It's against whoever they face. They and the are Chiefs getting, defense is good. The Chiefs defense the, yes. is not like a terrible defense, and they're moving the ball. You could see it every time they kind of kept showing Mahomes on a sideline. A little frustration was kind of creeping in. Like, he knew he, was like, he had to score. He did because he he was doing the whole those shoulder pads yep. kind of look where he kind of took a breath like kind of like okay D are we gonna get the ball back or <laughs> like you know but you could tell like that's what the Raiders can do because they they can lull you to sleep with all these those six seven yard gains twelve yard gains and then that's what they're trying to do it might not be with rugs but they're doing with Aguilar down the field you know they're hitting shots and Waller is I mean no one can guard Waller I mean he's he's a the way they use him player. is really fun yeah they use him in a way that kind of mimics what the Chiefs do with Kelsey. They're using him as the X receiver on the backside of three-by-ones. They're using him as a matchup nightmare. Doing a lot of stuff where they'll do like 12 personnel, and they'll have him be offset, and they'll have Mm -hmm. the first tight end do a little clear out for him so he can work against the guy in man coverage. Mm -hmm. They are scheming up ways to put him in space, and he takes advantage of it. And that's kind of what I'm getting at when I'm just talking about their offense. It just seems like... Everything has a purpose. Everything makes sense. Everything has a motivation behind it. And the pieces all fit together. It's exactly the type of things you want to see in an offense. Man, it's so much fun watching their run game. It really is. Like, just the stuff they're doing. And they, you got to watch it too. But, like, you know, even having Colt Miller back, you know, they were talking about it a little bit tonight. But if they just keep improving, they're scoring points without these this O-line help that they had. It's, you know, Rodney's doing a great job up front. Gabe Jackson's doing a fine job. It's just great, too, is that they also have, like, and and the Titans are this way, too. They have multiple tight ends. Like, Jason Witten's a role player. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> you know, and, like, that's pretty nice to have, like, a true veteran. And our boy Alec Ingold was back today. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I know he had a disappointing drop. I thought he was going to, like, snag that thing, too. I love that is. play, too. And they he sneak is. those in. And yep. that, I just think that having those in your arsenal, I love it. All yeah. Right, we're going to move on. The funniest thing about this is the Raiders lost that game tonight. We just don't I care don't. to talk about the Chiefs anymore. <laughs> we just spent 20 minutes talking about how much we like the Raiders and they lost that game. But I do think, again, let's not get too preoccupied with the outcome. Look at what that game actually looked yep. like and what, they, what they've looked like in the two games they played the Chiefs. I really do think their offense is impressive. And I do think... Even after that, after that loss, they're still in the playoffs as if it started right now. And I do think they could be there by the end because of how well their offense is playing. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, let's get to who won the week. Just win, baby. There is only one place we could start this, and that is with Sean Payton. Sean Payton <laughs> stuck it to everybody. I so I woke up this morning, and then when did the news came out? Was it official this morning that Taysom Hill was going to start? Yeah, I think it was. It was. A, it, was. it was about nine a.m. my time, give or take. My my reaction to that news was that Sean Payton is just bored, and yeah. I tweeted out. Uh, something that Luke McCallum told me last year. It was a story I was working on about Drew Brees and Sean Payton and their relationship. And he told me a story about a meeting in 2014. They were playing the Falcons and Payton kind of rolled in to their Wednesday meeting and just had this design where he's like, this is a touchdown first play of the game. I I know it just based on what they do when you do this sort of thing. almost reminds me of he knew the way the Eagles would respond to Taysom Hill. They would treat him like a tight end in a certain formation and they just bang the Eagles with it over and over again. Yeah. And and the reason that I said that wasn't trying to say that Sean Payton doesn't like Drew Brees or anything like that. I think it's an indication that Sean Payton just loves this shit. He loves the game of figuring it out. He loves coming up with answers and he's just, maniacal about it he'll just in practice just find all right i want you to put down your split a yard and a half here because yeah. it'll do this to this guy he he's a loves, tinker he, he is likes, he's he, a he absolutely is every story i've ever heard about him he is and he loves finding the goat on those defenses too he loves finding his guys <laughs> like that's my dude i'm going at you every single play oh my he god he gets a yeah. kick out of it and i think this was the manifestation of that personality trait with sean payton where he's like, all right, I want to figure out. And I think that Ian Rapport tweeted this. Part of the reason for starting Hill is he wanted to figure out whether he was the guy. But I also think he wants to figure out if he can do this yeah. and figure out this version of his offense. And today they did that. I understand the Falcons' defense is bad, but I think a lot of the things they did with just the nuts and bolts of this offense with him at quarterback 
was fascinating. So they went 24 to 7. Hill goes 18 of 23 for 233, 51 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Michael Thomas shows signs of life, nine catches for 104 yards. So what elements of just the overall structure of the offense really jumped out to you? What do you think they leaned on that allowed this to be possible? It looked like more of the Sean Payton stuff of old. Like it mm-hmm. had more of that play action feel, the heavy play action stuff. And it was out of slot formations. So uh, like a hip being like two tight ends and then two receivers on the other side split out. And he was running that. Why teams like to run that is because it is kind of an easier read for a quarterback. It makes it a half field read for you. And it turns into a chunk play to check down. And what they can do with uh, like a Taysom Hill, and this is actually what the Titans do with Tannehill. They run these two-man play actions that are really touchdown to check down or a gash play to check down. And then the other check down is the quarterback can use their legs. So if they mm-hmm. face these man coverages, because that could sometimes happen. It's like, okay, just hit the check down, but the check down might be gloved up because the line or the linebacker or whoever is just standing right on him because that's his man assignment. But when you get a guy that can use their legs, like a Tannehill or a Taysom Hill, that becomes a separate weapon because those lead to like explosive 12-yard rushes by the quarterback. So I saw a lot of that little play action stuff. They're doing the the slot, and then they're also doing a little power passes, which is spider two, you know, like that we know what Gruden likes to do. Like, well, that's a power pass protection and run a guy into flat. But what that is, it's making it a very easy reads for Taysom Hill. And if, if, if shit breaks down, then he can just use his legs. And it creates good scrambles because the routes are down the field and the defenders have their backs turned. And so he has a little more space to work with. It's interesting. It was a good defense to to go against, (laughs) I think, for his first start at quarterback. Uh, You know, you know what you're going to get with the Falcons defense. They're not running a varied, varied looks. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting to see. He performed much more admirably than I was even going to credit for. He's a dynamic player. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't think he'd be able to consistently put drives together. Uh, yeah, it, it was, it was an interesting experiment. And yeah, I think Sean Payton's the real happy one tonight. Just going like, yeah, yeah, I got, I got a division win with Taysom Hill at my quarterback. <laughs> Sean Payton built the engine and kind of Taysom Hill just had to keep the train on the tracks. I yeah. mean, that's how it felt. There were some nice plays though. There was the first completion he had to Troutman early in the game where it was Thomas on a slant from the right slot and then Troutman on a little reverse. What's a reverse whip called? A WAP? <laughs> W-H-O-P? Is that true? Uh, I've been to right places where it's that or oh, a ram or something like that. Yeah. He had Thomas on that one, and then he came off of it to Troutman on that little like reverse whip. And he had a couple of those where he's like, all right, I see him actually moving his eyes, and he's not just throwing it. He's not Drew locking it, where it's just the yeah. guy, I'm, I'm picking this guy, <laughs> and that's exactly where it's going. And j- just stuff that made sense. Like the he had a, throw, a completion of Thomas on a, like a deep over where they faked the toss to Camara going left. Mm-hmm. He came back around. It's the stuff you'd expect to see, but it worked. They used six offensive linemen on 12 snaps. I think that's a way to get defense in base. They uh, The Falcons had three linebackers on the field a ton. Play action, throw the ball in behind it. They were doing that consistently. It was working. And that's the stuff that works. And yep. I just, again, I just think it's really interesting to watch somebody like Sean Payton try to provide answers in this situation and try to find answers with this type of guy. And I think he enjoyed it. And I think that he's probably enjoying it even more because it works the degree that it did. What helps them so much is that their run game stuff is so good. So they're always going to be lifted a little bit. So that's why he can get away Mm -hmm. with some of the stuff he was doing with Taysom Hill today. And 
I'm just curious. I just want to keep seeing this unfold. Like, I just want to see. It's like, is he going to get Do you think it can work? keep working? Or do you think this is a one-time thing? Where it's like, all right, now that we see what they're going to try to do. Because you can jump I, on teams a little bit. Yeah. And that's what I was about to say. is Because that, that two-man stuff can get gloved up. Like, it can get sniffed out. And yeah. you're living off checkdowns or or uh, the QB trying to scramble or something like that. Or you're they're letting you take the shot play. And then, like, because usually those will have a post on it. And that's the alert. And are you going to have Taysom Hill throw five of those a game or just the one where it's everything's perfect? So I'm curious. I, I, I think who they have next week or next game, they have the Broncos, so they have Fangio. So that will be an interesting little – I, I want to see it against that defense. And we'll see if the Taysom Hill experiment can survive <laughs> a little bit of match quarters <laughs> and, and that defensive front. I will say I, I'm curious to see the same thing. But it seemed in the first half when they weren't moving the ball at all – it was almost like when you're talking to a little kid at a family party and you're like, all right, how long do we got to do this? Like, how long do I have to humor? It's I, Sean Payton is like, the, I have to like humor him for like 20 minutes here and then we can get to the real stuff. Just, That's kind of yeah. how it felt in the first quarter. And then it actually started working. So I'm not sure how if it can continue against yeah. better defenses than the Falcons. But I will say one weekend, Taysom Hill experiment looks to be going OK. All right. Let's get to our next candidate here. I'm going with the Colts, man. That is a huge comeback. Huge. I mean, down 28 to 14 at halftime. They come back 34-31 in overtime. They go to 7-3, and three, leading the division. Huge game with the Titans here on the horizon. So I think a few things jump out about the comeback. First of all, the fact that they came out running in yeah. the second half. I actually loved it. It's like, all right, we know we can still gash them here. They're going to yeah. do the petting thing where they're playing dime. And on that first drive, they essentially were like, all right, you guys want to do that? Fuck you. And they came out in 12 personnel with both tight ends on the same side. And we're like, we're just going to run it down your throat. Quentin mm-hmm. Nelson had a huge drive. And I like that they stuck with that because that was a way I mean, they maintained possession in the second half. They kept yeah. the ball out of Rogers' hands. It helps when you're picking up first downs and they can't get first downs. But mm-hmm. I just thought that them sticking with what they wanted to do. They knew how they could still attack them. I thought that was really impressive. On defense, though, they came up with some huge plays. Was there anything about their defensive game plan in that second half that stuck out to you, or was it just kind of a smattering of big-time plays and high-leverage moments? Because that's what it felt like to me. Uh, yeah, it was a smattering. It, it was fun watching Rodgers against like a, a a heavy cover two team. Like yeah. It felt like those old Bears games. Like It yeah. honestly did. It was because those matchups are the best because it's the awesome quarterback that knows exactly what the defense is going to be in, and the defense knows their weaknesses that the quarterback's trying to exploit. And that's what leads to the Rocky Austin interception. Was I was, was going to ask you, is that yeah. just a great play by him or is that a yeah. funky coverage? Really? No, it was, it was just cover two. And yeah. so what the Packers try to do is they try to hit the whole shot, but they yep. try to hit it from inside. So he ran an inside fade attack in the same spot just to change up how you hit it because that defense knows where their weaknesses are so you got to change up how you attack it so that's smart but what happened is the outside guy ran an under route and Rocky Asin made a really heads up play again he goes hey I got nothing underneath me in the flat all right I'm going to soften up he softens up right at the right time and just makes a hell of a play so do you think that's a coaching point like all right if he's going you just book it because that's what it felt like to me it's like all right something triggered in my brain yeah i see that i'm turning around i'm flying you can see his light bulb go off you can just see him go oh 
<laughs> and that's what I, I see that so much from their defense. And that just, yeah. it, when I watch them, it's like, this feels like they just have really strong coaching points because yeah. there's that. And you see their linebackers just get excellent depth on like play action throws where it's like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. They just clearly have somebody's voice in their head mm-hmm. where it's like, I got to get back now. Got to get back now. Got to get back now. And it's really fun to watch. And then the play that sticks out to me, it's kind of similar to that in my mind is that Bobby Okariki play on the fourth down throw to Williams where mm-hmm. he just it plays it so, so well. And that's just a great play by him. But I can also just see them being like, all right, they're going to try you on this. Do not get sucked up. Do not. Yep. And he stuck with him, made it a really hard throw. I think it was a terrible play call. But I also think it was a great play by him. <laughs> that's the benefit of we've seen it this past eight-ish years with the Seahawks only running cover three and man. They've changed it up a little bit now, but for a good two, three years there, they were running two coverages. <laughs> and and when you have players that can take advantage of that, and this is the same thing with the Bears used to do in, in the uh, early 2000s is, hey, you know what we're going to be in. Same with the Bucks when they were rolling with Monty Kiffin down there. Hey, you know what we're going to be in. We know how you're going to attack us, but because we know what our weaknesses are, we know how to shore it up or take advantage of that. Hey, we know you're going to pump the flat, but we can. We, I'm going to soften into the whole whole shot. Even in Rod, it's kind of oh god, it's just so much fun watching smart players just take advantage of another smart player uh, on the <laughs> on the drive. Yeah, on the drive uh, to the Packers, it was near the end of the game. Uh, Rogers hits one down down to shoot to MVS, and uh, you know it's it's cover two, so it's a Tampa linebacker. He has to run with the receiver because the Packers were it was smart a ridiculous there. throw, ridiculous, it was an absolutely throw. ridiculous throw. Ridic- you have to be so ballsy to make that throw, and he but he knows that's the thing. He knows balance. he has to make that throw. He like yeah. was leaning and somehow yep. like got enough under it. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And so, and a player two later, again the Colts are in cover two. A way to attack that is hitting Diggs. And a defense that knows that you're trying to hit a dig will have a, a linebacker might sit, 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 and then soften under under the throw and bat it down. It's Darius Leonard. He knows where Rogers trying to go because he he knows the routes underneath him. So you can see him starting to drift back. And so what Rogers does is throw a no look pass. Going, he looks at the underneath route and then throws the dig and throws a no look pass just real quick because he was playing with Leonard's eyes. But it's just so fun because it's like, yeah, those hey, two I, going I know you're, each other. I know you're smart, so I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna make make you move because I know you're smart, and it's just cool watching just players do that. It's like, yeah, again, it's the counter to the counter to the counter kind of thing, but it's fun when good players do that. And it was funny. So the two third downs where they went three and out at the beginning of the half, Green Bay, the third and sixth, the first one, they. It was probably cover three on the outside because the corner just ran straight down the field with MVS. Rodgers tried to throw it back shoulder. They mm-hmm. weren't on the same page. That, aside from the fumble that lost them the game, just that blinking light of, God, they need another receiver. God, they need another receiver. <laughs> like They can make it happen every once in a while, but with somebody that he has a similar feel with to Adams, that's a back yeah. shoulder throw every single time. And then the other third down, and this is why I think it's kind of fun to watch this Colts team because even though they are – a zone team, that's what they like to do. They only run a couple things is the bread and butter of just the basis of their defense. But on that play, it's third and one. They had that funky front where Buckner's lined up as the head-up nose. They had mm-hmm. a six-man pressure, and Leonard came behind it. When you're dealing with the backup center, just a way to play with it, Rodgers had to get rid of it too quick on the slant to Adams. Dirts it, punt. And yep. Colts get the ball back. And those two three and outs were absolutely huge because they just controlled that entire quarter. So, I mean, that's the nice thing about that defense is they do the stuff they do really well, but every once in a while, they're going to have you know one or two plays where they're just throwing something funky at you, and 
today they dialed it up at the exact right time. Yeah. And then just offensively, they're just it's the no name team. And yeah, I mean, I know Hilton's a nice player and they, you know, they have Jonathan Taylor. We love Mo Alley Cox, but you know, Jack Doyle scores a touchdown. Another just good player. Pascal's makes plays. Michael Pittman looks great, especially, you know, catching or running with the ball, but they're just killing you with different guys. But then you get guys like Naheem Hines stepping up and just looking phenomenal running routes. And it's cool. He's their best player inside the 30 yard line. He is they, other teams are putting safeties on him and like just like the Lions did a couple of weeks ago it does not matter he's just like that Yo, okay, fourth and fourth four down. pick play should have ended the game and Alexander yeah. was covering him on that play yep. you have one of the best man corners in the league covering your running back on yep. the play of the game and obviously he got some help with the pick from Burton yep. but still I mean that's still a huge play then the other one they hit him on a higher leverage play was third and four and they eventually got a field goal out of it and he ran a slant at the marker. The corner, I was uh, Raven Clark, I think is his name, 24, mm. was playing like seven yards off. Packers are not well coached on defense. I don't know if you know <laughs> if you know that at all. I'm just sitting there watching it. I was like, why are you eight yards off a running yeah. back on third and four? Like, what are yeah. we doing here? He, he running backs. I, I had a smart corner one time talk to me because he jumped a, a slant route in training camp um, that we ran with a running back. And I know this is going to sound so obvious, but I was like, hey, how'd, how'd you jump that so quick? Because you're playing like 10 yards off. And he goes, it's a running back. What are you going to run with a running back? A slant and a go. And then and I even was if like, it's Naheem Hines, like he can do a couple more things, but yes. I still wouldn't be playing eight yards he's, off him on third and fourth. But that's the difference between a player that's like a kind of low coach or like smart and aware going, hey, it's a running back. You only go with this, not a guy bailing on third and four. But that also goes to show how impressive that Naheem Hines is. It's probably because Alexander is, I'm guessing, is a very smart player and he's probably gone. Well, he's only going to run a slant or a go. And Naeem Hyatt still won on it. So <laughs> pretty good by, on, on his part. Can we discuss the Phillip Rivers absolutely ridiculous shot put throw to T.Y. Hilton, which was a huge throw in the game? Huge, huge. It was uh, it was like a third medium, right? That, yep. and, then and it, it got was them pressure down was, inside the 10. Yeah, pressure was in his face. And I, I think he touched the ceiling on it. I think <laughs> that thing. Because so usually when he, when he throws those, it's a swing pass he'll throw because he has to time it up because he's trying to get out early or he's throwing something deep and he's throwing like a corner. That corner. Not, the, uh, he throws the corner beautifully. It's my favorite route so, that he throws. So great because it just, it's just honestly like it tilts sideways. So it just like it, it handed to the guy as he catches it. Like it just goes, it sits down so nicely on it. You can see T.Y. when he, after he caught it, he like just stood up and it was just he, like, he was pointing. Yeah. He pointed. He was like, that was yep. good shit. <laughs> My favorite part about that throw is it's almost like an old man basketball game where you got the old man at the Y who's all elbows. That's some of these throws that Rogers makes. It's kind of the football version of that, but he's been doing it since he was like 27 years old, like that exact throw. And just, he would always like get up on one foot and push it to Antonio Gates. And that's pretty much what he did there. So he's been doing it for a decade. So even if it's old man nonsense, He's been doing it before he was an old man, so he comes by it honestly, which I've always appreciated. It's like Sean Livingston when he when he saw him with yes. the Warriors, just yes. like he he had a built-in so old true. man's game. It's so <laughs> true, just surviving on nothing but savvy. Like that's exactly what Philip Rivers' game is at this point. It's and I got. honestly, I don't know how good this team is because, like you said, the no-name offense thing I think is real. I think the running game is really hit or miss. You know, they managed yeah. to. They really managed to move the ball on a bad, objectively awful 
Packers run defense when they needed to today. But mm-hmm. some really nice. I mean, Nelson, obviously the holding penalties, which that was just a nightmare end of a oh game. Oh, my goodness. But that, he had oh, a couple yeah. plays in that second half, especially early when they were start, like really trying to continue running the ball when they were down, yeah. where he's just digging out the one technique on on the backside of runs and just clearing out holes. I mean, he can do that in a way other guys can't. I still don't think they found their rhythm, though, when it comes to running the ball. They had 11 carries for 25 yards in the first half with their running backs. I mean, this is a team with it's the talent like they have up front. That just shouldn't happen. And I'm yeah. curious. I, I still have to go back and watch it a little bit more. It just feels like a it's coming from a couple different directions why they're struggling. But I think the defense is really, really good. And I think that they're going to be in all of these games and it just comes down to one or two scattered plays. And I think Rivers can still do that. He's still going to make enough big throws in big moments because he's still a pretty damn good quarterback when it comes down to it. Speaking of damn good quarterbacks, another candidate for who won the week here, Deshaun Watson, man. We don't have to spend a long time on this. They're not a good team. They're four and six today after beating the Patriots 27 to 20. I know the Patriots defense is bad. They're dead last in DVOA, which if you need, if anyone needs another reminder that building around defense is a dicey proposition, the fact that the Patriots went from the best defense in the league to the worst defense in the league in In one season is all you need to know about that. But even if you take that stuff into account, he was the best quarterback in the league today by a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at some of the numbers. He averaged 0.43 EPA per play today. He was, I think he had 10 more EPA than any other quarterback in the NFL. I think Justin Herbert was number two. On their second drive, I tweeted this. He had three throws in the span of like six plays that were just like knock you on your ass good. The one (laughs) up Brandon Cook, the one to Brandon Cook's up the seam, just yeah. p- like picture perfect. The crossing route to Aikens, he pretty much put it in his hands. And the one to Cobb for the touchdown doesn't look that great from the broadcast view, but if you look at the replay from behind, the placement on it is crazy. This dude is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, like one of the best five or six quarterbacks in the entire league. And I said this today. I think today is the most depressed I've ever been about the Bears passing on to Sean Watson. And... The timing oh, on that seems strange, right? Yeah. I mean, we're three and a half years into it or whatever. But you can make the argument. I think some people have made the argument. Well, if the Bears drafted Deshaun Watson, they would have wasted him anyway. Okay. And I, there's some merit to that, but I don't think a lot. But even if that's true, even if this version of the Bears coaching staff had wasted Deshaun Watson, I assume they still would have extended him anyway. And he wouldn't be this guy, but he'd still be some version of Deshaun Watson. I think that. I mean, the Texans are already starting over. They've already hit the reset button. I think the Bears probably should when you look at everything that's going on there. So if Mm -hmm. these two teams are starting over next spring anyway, one of them has Deshaun Watson and one of them doesn't. They traded DeAndre Hopkins. They're an absolute mess. It's an offense and a system that does very little to help its quarterback. You saw that all day today. It's just like, all right, Deshaun, you go figure it out. And he does. And even if they're down a first and second round pick, even if they have some of these awful contracts on their books next season, I still have hope that he can lift them out of this. He is that good. In the end, you are going to have that guy as just the nucleus of what you're moving forward with as a franchise. And he's good enough for that to be enough. And passing on that guy and deciding to go in a different direction. And as you move from staff to staff and you move from regime to regime, era to era as a franchise, having that guy to carry you through it is the most important part. I think that 
the Falcons and Matt Ryan are a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, I think that Sean is a better quarterback than Matt Ryan, but just having that guy at the core of it, you can change coaching staffs, and your offense is always going to be relevant because you have that guy at the center of it. And he is that guy. He is an unbelievable player. And I think today's one of the better games I've seen him play in a long time. He's going to raise the tides for all the other ships. Like that's what a guy like that does. And like, it's not just like he's always a good starter. It's like he's a star. Uh, You said top four to six. I mean, he's like top three or four. I mean, at this point, I mean, he's just, he's always been so aggressive, which has just been so much fun with him. And just like, he's just an explosive play waiting to happen. Just either a downfield, incredible throw, a scramble, either a scramble where he throws it or a scramble where he's running with the ball. He's dynamite in the red zone. But that throw to, to Atkins is like a perfect example of the improvement he's made. It's that his footwork in that he had a nice pocket in it but it's so calm he doesn't know pressure the, today whatsoever no, he got hit oh twice. my god none yeah and it seemed like it and but there's none of that um and he's done this more and more throughout the weeks is that he doesn't do the extended drops the big issue with him a lot of times was he was taking like as opposed to a five or seven step drop and i get it in the guns or three or five step drop it would become almost like a nine or sometimes like an 11 step drop because he would just keep dropping back because his eyes were always downfield and nothing was telling him hey i gotta step up and now you see his footwork is so consistently calm he's making these throws that are just i mean one percenter throws and they're just beautiful and he's just so mentally calm i think you can see the game he's obviously a smart guy and but you can see the game really slowing down for him on another level. Like he's doing the quarterback things better. He's not just always I have to throw a touchdown on the next play. He's like, okay, I can I can make a living with a six yard gain here. And you know he still looks a little funky how he does things, how he contorts his body, but it's because he's so strong. His core is so strong, and he's so flexible. He just he's always going to just look funky, but. He's incredible. He really is. You know, stylistically, he actually reminds me of, and I, I think he's a better player than this guy, but actually a little bit of, of Dante Culpepper a little bit, and not in the sense of Don, Dante was so much bigger and would run through a guy, and and Deshaun will maybe more bounce off a guy and keep the play alive and make another throw. But as far as that, they are accurate. They're athletic to scramble anywhere, You're not only on third down, but in the red zone actually score, and you can design any type of run play for them, but also that they always are trying to attack downfield, and anytime a uh, lightning strike can happen with them. It can just be a little like, scamper play where they're just launching downfield because they have the ability to do so. Um, Deshaun, is, is, I think, is a better player than Dante, even Dante's one year when he was the MVP candidate. Deshaun's a better version of that, but it is stylistically, that is something that is kind of interesting. And even some of the turnovers, Dante was more of a fumbler than an interception guy, but even some of the fumble stuff, but it, it's interesting. It's funny watching it. Cause at any time a bomb can happen, anytime a scramble can happen or anytime they were running over a guy, like he, Deshaun had a, a scramble on the red zone today where he just, he didn't care. He just, I thought he was actually going to go down or go out of bounds and he just planted his foot and tried right to run through, run through, right, right through, through, which I was guy. like, Oh no, no, don't do it Deshaun. I know but it's still fun. when It's still <laughs> it's fun so, when it happens. It's fun, but scary. I think the number, so I, I said four, four to six or five five to six just because I was trying to be cautious <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And I think that this year there's some guys that are playing really well, but he's like seventh in EPA per play. He's yeah. I mean, all the numbers are up there. I think he's averaging 8.5 yards per attempt for just a bad team. It's just going to waste. But over the next five years, Mahomes is the only guy you'd rather have than him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wilson's 31, that. so that would be 32 to 36 for Wilson. I think I'd rather have Watson. Yeah, I, I think so too. And then, and then you get into discussion. And then it's Dak and the next group down, you know. But it's, I think, I think Deshaun, Kyler, too. 
Yeah, yeah, Kyler, but you know, but it's I mean, I'd definitely rather have Watson than Kyler for the next five years. I would years. too. I would yeah. too. It's but it's yeah, he's slotting into easy number two, and it's kind of funny because if it was any other era, he would be the guy. <laughs> I know, I know. And, yeah, <laughs> well, let's not let's not he's, talk about those two he's guys. Gonna get Mario, he's guys. gonna get Mario Mario Lemoud. <laughs> That's what's gonna let's happen. Not, let's let's not talk anymore about those two guys being the guys because then I'll just get sad again. All right, <laughs> one more candidate for who won the week here. The Tennessee Titans, man. We talked about the AFC playoff picture earlier. This allows them to keep pace, and it looked like they were dead in the water. I mean, after mm-hmm. that long Andrews touchdown, I thought this one was probably over. They staged an incredible comeback. They ended up winning this game 30-24. And I think that the, my favorite part about watching that second half from them is that everything they did offensively was a perfect distillation of their identity on offense. Just lead zone. Just mm-hmm. we're lining up with a fullback, running the ball straight downhill at you. That's a majority of the damage that Henry did in, in the second half around those sorts of plays. They hit this exact same play for big gains twice. It was they were in 12 personnel with both tight ends to the right side, and they had Davis also on that side. So it was like trips to that side where Davis was condensed, and it was a play action throw, and he ran this like a corner. And yeah. they caught Peters with his eyes in the backfield twice. One was for a 50 yep. yard gain that really jump started their offense. And another one was for like a 22 yard gain. I think it was exact same play later yep. in the half. So they hit that twice. So play action throws out of big personnel, get the ball in number 11's hands and let him go to fucking work. <laughs> oh my God. He's that a monster. Dude, I, I love that their quick game is just throw a slant or a hitch to that guy and just let him run over people. It's amazing. <laughs> It's unbelievable. <laughs> and then you had one or two. Tannehill had a really nice completion of Ferkser on a third and 10, I think. They brought Who's the coming heat. along too? Ferkser is playing was, great. He's, <laughs> he's nicer he's than in those moments. I think they like really him in nice. like third down because yeah. he's, he wins quickly in a way that other guys on yes. that team don't. And I think John ta- Jonu takes a minute to yep. – he's more of a he's straight line guy. He's yeah. Yes. He's but not going to break anyone need, off. Yeah. And even, even yeah, Brown is that type of off. receiver. And I think that they've really used yep. him in those moments. And then you have one scramble. I think there was one like second and seven where they had him on the boot and he gained nine yards. So, And those are just like all of the elements of that offense when it's rolling that you yeah. want to see. And I think all of them started to pile up in that half. Yeah. And those outbreakers that you're talking about, the, the two they hit the Davis. Corey Davis is a really nice number two receiver, by the way. I know he was a top I mean, ten he's pick, the top five he, pick. So yeah. I know. Yeah, you're hoping, but I mean he's really coming into his own. It, it just I mean, he's tough and athletic. Like he blocks his ass off too, which is like he, he doesn't play like a top five pick. You know, he yeah. he plays more like the second rounder and AJ Brown plays more like the top five pick. Like that's who if you were to say how their styles were. But those outbreakers were just Romo actually brought it up too, was they're playing off, uh, you know, all their post dig combinations that they run over and over and over. Marcus Peters and the Ravens DBs are very aggressive, and they like to. They know tendencies. They know quarterbacks. They like to jump. So what they do? They ran an outbreaker instead of a dig, and it caught Peters. Peter, I mean, the first one they ran, Peters was like eight yards away because he got burned so. Yeah, bad he had no he, shot. He, he had, had no, no shot because he he thought he was going to get a, a cheap one on that dig. He was like, "This is the first PA. I am picking this off. Oh my god!" And then all of a sudden, it's an out route for twenty yard gain. Um, but that that just shows they know they they know what they are. They always know what they are, which is. It's pretty pretty great to see. I thought in the first couple quarters, I was like, ooh, you know, Ravens pass game actually looks a little better. It looks like it's going to be a long day. You know, I, I'm a little 
this doesn't look great for the Titans. So I thought uh, that plus it just kind of so I think these were two offenses that had we've seen them be great and they've struggled recently. And I thought it was watching that first half. It felt like, OK, Ravens are getting out of it. They've dug mm-hmm. themselves out of this hole. Maybe they found a little bit of life. And the Titans, it felt like this might be over. Tannehill is 8 of 14 for 44 yards and a pick with 934 left in the third quarter. And it was ugly. And it was. It, it, so I'm sitting there thinking <laughs> the, the regression monster is here and it has eaten Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> and instead, it goes the exact other way where the Ravens, the Ravens had chances in this game. I mean, mm-hmm. the throw to Andrews that was just off his fingertips on mm-hmm. that third down, he makes that throw. It's a, it's a different situation. The Duvernay interception was just weird. Like, it was first and 10. He's throwing a jump ball to a 5'11 guy? Yeah. I, that yeah, was I didn't confusing get that. to Weird me. timing for it, too, to like try that type of play, too. Yeah, just... But even... Yeah. It, so, But even if you're sitting there thinking, all right, a couple scattered plays from the Ravens here, and maybe they're all right, it still feels hard. When they're throwing the ball, it still feels hard. And when I'm watching the Titans in the second half of that game, it didn't feel hard. It felt like they had answers in the way the Ravens haven't in their passing game. And that was nice to see because when this offense was rolling in Tennessee, I love watching them play because yeah. I love how all the pieces fit together, like we said. Those elements that we talked about lining up in that second half. I love when they line up. It's a fun offense to watch. And to see them really kind of find their stride against a very good Ravens defense, I love watching it. It, It's funny. It's like you'd watch a Titans offense if it's just a normal person watches it. They'll be like, oh, that's kind of boring. There's fullbacks. There's tight ends in it. There's condensed splits. You know, not that like a normal person would talk condensed splits but it's kind of some condensed splits though <laughs> they were, oh my god look at that nasty split what, what down is it you know like no but they they are like you know, watch it but what's actually fun with that it's almost like it's not the same offense but t- kind of like the old nebraska teams but when in their passing game when they run the i formation option ball it was all explosive plays it's the option gashing you for 30 yard gains or uh play action or whatever they would do off of it i formation two man pass concepts to you know, Freyer and all these guys down the field that would just create these huge plays, and it's kind of that version of that. It's actually really exciting to watch because what at first is boring with the Henry runs, and it's become a cliche now with the body blow stuff. But it, it really in the second half, oh, we'll it, get to you it. S- you see it happening like that that walk off touchdown that Henry had. There's about four Ravens defenders that were okay with that game ending. They were like, you can see them kind of just going, yeah, oh, no, sorry. Couldn't, ta- <laughs> so, couldn't tackle them. Sorry. Out of my reach. And it's, I think it's because that stuff wears on you. That's hard to tackle a guy over and over that many times head on. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, it's time for Would You Rather. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? All right, I'm excited about this one because I think it could go either way, and I'm sure we're bound to upset some people with this. (laughs) So let me set the stage here for you. You're building a run-first offense. You know you have to protect your quarterback. This is your best chance to win, similar to kind of what the Browns are doing right now. If you were trying to pick a back to be the centerpiece of that sort of approach, would you rather have Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry? I'd go with Nick Chubb. And why is because I like him as just an all-round scheme-proof running back. I think with a guy like Derrick Henry, you have to truly build the whole offense around him. You get more out of him the more you put into him, if that makes sense. And I think a guy like Chubb is, no matter what you are putting around him or what scheme you want to run, what your old linemen are best at, what your quarterback's best at, he's going to be fine. This dude can run any type of run play because he just has the size for it, the athleticism for it, and also just vision and just that kind of r- classic running back vision and know-how. Like he knows, understands angles and how his guys are being blocked. Uh, today, he had a gorgeous 54-yard run. He plants, it's, in, it's a weak side zone. He plants his foot, gets north. Uh, he sees the linebacker getting sealed and right as he gets sealed, he plants his foot, gets north. And then he has a, and so right there, that should be like a six, seven yard gain. And the D end is coming down the line and he like gives him a Hadouken and just goes, and then he (laughs) crushed his windpipe. I I couldn't breathe after watching that play. It w- it looked like a Hadouken. Like he just was <laughs> the guy was went down. And then like that that's like just encompasses and then he scampered down for fifty four yard gain and I think he broke another tackle and he was kept his feet and he I think he matriculated out of bounds. But that was like the perfect play to sum up Chubb. It's just the vision, the power, the explosiveness, the the explosiveness, the home run speed, and just the finish. Cause you know, even guys talk about him. Like both of these guys are supposed to be great teammates as well. So you don't even have to worry about that kind of stuff. But it's I think Chubb just has that all aroundness that I like. I, I like Derrick Henry, and I think what the Titans did, the Titans are using him perfectly. That's how you, I think you have to use Derrick Henry. You have to use him as the featured back. He's not a role player. He is all or nothing type of guy. I think Chubb, if you're using him for 12 touches or 25 touches, 30 touches, you're going to get a lot out of him, no matter what you do. And he's pretty good in the pass game with the ball in his hands. Protection, he's okay. But, you know, and Henry catches the ball like a beach ball. So, but he can still do some stuff with the ball in his hands once he gets downhill. But yeah, Chubb's my answer. I just, I'm a big fan of him. He's one of the best backs in the game, if not, if not the best back. So 
let me play devil's advocate. So if you're okay. looking at what Derrick Henry gives you, I was looking up some of the numbers today. It's absolutely ridiculous what he does <laughs> late in the game. In the fourth quarter in overtime, he's averaging 7.1 yards per carry. That's insane. And that's what he does. He's the And they've been coming back. That's the thing, too. It's not like those are like leads they're protecting. They're games that they're coming back to. That's what makes that even more ridiculous. He's the closer. And that, that's exactly yeah. what he does. He's going to come in. He is going to shut the door on teams. And I tend to agree with you. You have to give him a lot of carries. The damage is done slowly. When he does hit home runs, he has to get up to warp speed. It's mm-hmm. one of those things where he just builds speed over time because he's so huge. And I think that a lot of the factors I look at, I think yards after contact per attempt and breaking tackles is a sustainable skill. Yeah. It carries over from season to season. I think that's not a new idea. These two guys every single year are right at the top. Chubb leads the league this year. It's 4.41 yards after contact per attempt per PFF, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But those two guys are like neck and neck every single year. It's like a, a golfer. Like <laughs> it's it's. It's like it's just one. Of, it's like a, a competition where like guys switch off all the time. It's like who's the best? Who's the best? Yeah, Federer it changes and every single. It's exactly yeah. like tennis players yeah. changes every single moment. And those two guys are the kings when it comes to that stat. Look at some other numbers. Chubb leads the league in uh, at next gen stats, rushing yards over expectation per run, and and total. Even though he's only played in six games, so he is just that's getting. Pretty- that's he's ridiculous. getting so much more than what is blocked. He's facing eight-man boxes at the fifth highest rate in the league, according to Next Gen Stats. So a lot of the ways that teams approach these two guys are similar. And I think a lot of the ways they get yards are similar. They break tackles. They get more than what's there. The reason that I would rather have Chubb is the acceleration. Yeah. I think that while Henry takes a lot of time to get up to top speed, Chubb gets to top speed instantly. The way that he can move laterally and then get vertical, I just think is different than the way that Henry moves. You talked about the 54-yard run today. My favorite run that he had was actually an 11-yard run in the third quarter where he's going right, essentially sees a guy in the hole, jump cuts straight to his left, puts his foot in the ground, and gets vertical for 11 yards. Should be a two-yard game. And Mm -hmm. he probably doesn't even get any yards after contact there because no one actually touched him. That sort of ability to stop, start, and get going again that's what sticks out to me. So I think that he gives you the power and tackle-breaking ability that Henry does. Like I said, they're neck and neck mm-hmm. in those metrics every single year. But the home run ability comes faster. I know that Henry hits them. But again, I just think Chubb is more dangerous and more apt to hit those home runs consistently than Derrick Henry is. I actually played this game with an NFL head coach recently, but it was Chubb or Dalvin Cook. And he picked Chubb. And it was just that all that. Just the overall package of traits plus just the strength everything i think he's the best pure runner in the league and i think that we're seeing that show up he's gonna have these one or two runs every single game where he just breaks your back henry has the same sort of ability late in games but i just think that chubb is a more dynamic runner with the ball in his hands and he can hit those home runs more consistently it's it's like chubb can hit that almost like a quarterback hitting that 10 to 20 yard area more because he yes. accelerates a little quicker where Henry might get tripped up. How many times do you see Henry getting tripped up? And you're like, why is this big guy getting tripped up? It's because he's yep. starting to pick up his legs to start really start striding out. And he can't get there. And it's a six-yard gain. And Chubb turns that into a 14-yard gain just because he can accelerate just he can accelerate just that much quicker. At 230 pounds. It's like 
he's, he's the way the guy moves boy. is crazy. I mean, I crazy. think that outside of Saquon, he's probably the most physically gifted guy that plays running back in the NFL. And he's been a better runner than Saquon since he came into the league. He, he yeah. gets more. The meat is always off the bone with Nick Chubb. He's going to get every single scrap on every single carry. Yes. And I think that's what I want in a guy running the ball. He is my favorite runner, and he's the guy that I would take. All right. Yeah. It's time for Vince to ask the question here. What the hell's going on out here? We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. We talked about them a lot last week. I think this is a slightly different conversation. Is Carson Wentz just done? Do you think he's just cooked? Like, I'm seriously asking you. Is there something irreparably broken about the way he is playing the position right now? I haven't seen just like... A guy that's done it before have just a whole season like this. Like you know, he we've seen him play good football. We've seen him be an MVP candidate, and I, it's it's his confidence has to be at an all time low, and that's where you have to decide: is that a you can see the gears turning every, every play. single play? You can see the gears every turning. play. No play looks easy for them. Every single play just looks so hard. Like um, the the last interception, like he just floats the ball over there while he's just wishing the guy is open. And it's just that that shows a guy doesn't know, trust the concept that's happening or, and probably doesn't trust the personality he's throwing to, you know, no one's getting open. There's guys that are running. And I'm not trying to, I know we're talking about Wentz, but I just, this is part of it is there's guys running like two yards away from each other on routes. And it's not just happening once or twice. It's happening several times a game. And Wentz is, plays the style of football that, or as a passer is that he's going to let his guys make a play for better, or for worse. He is a hell or high water. He's getting this ball off. He, there's no, there's no wasted plays with him. He is going to try to make a play happen every play. And I think that's something they've tried to wean out of him for just to keep him healthy. And when you have guys that aren't winning for you, that those plays look really freaking ugly when you're making these 50, 50 balls. That's like, rather than hitting 50, 50 of them, they're winning like one out of 10 and it looks ugly. That makes an offense look just shit. And they telegraph everything they do with their formations. Like they're like, if we were in this formation, we run this play. And it's like just so pick six. Do you see on the pick six where they didn't have any route to that side of the field? And so Ward just had nothing holding him there. And I don't think it was a call blitz, but he was sitting there. Richard Rogers was the only one there. So he's like, fine, if he's not gonna go out and route, fuck it. I'll come. And he he was cut he was covering him and he added on. Ruins the entire play. I'm sitting there like, shouldn't you have something that holds him there on the backside? And you pointed out their spacing is terrible. It just feels like the overall structure of the offense isn't helping him out, but he's also not helping himself out. You sent this note along to me. Pro Football Reference came out and said there are two quarterbacks in their entire database that have a game with two picks, five sacks, a fumble, a pick six, and a safety. Jay Fiedler in 2003 and Carson Wentz today. That's brutal, man. That's a list. (laughs) Some of that's not his fault. So you think let's let's, the five sacks, for example. Sacks are a quarterback stat, in my opinion. They're not always a quarterback stat. But if you look at the sacks he's taking in this game, they're bad sacks. There was one play, it was the third and three, I want to say, that Vernon eventually got home. And the Jason Peters is setting him for a third and three play. It's a quick set. He expects the ball to be gone. And when the ball's not gone, it's not his fault that he's getting walked back into exactly. the quarterback. The safety is similar situation. You can tell the way they're setting. The ball is supposed to be out of his hands. When it's not out of his hands, the line isn't set up to hold up for that long. 
he's just holding onto the ball. And I understand mm-hmm. that guys aren't open, and that's part of the issue, but you still can't be taking these sacks on quick game concepts where the ball's supposed to be out of your hands. As a quarterback, you're supposed to understand everything. You Everything yes. ties in together. The protection ties into the dropback, which ties into the routes. Everything is supposed to be all-encompassing, and that's what's so disappointing. He's too many years, too many starts with coaches he's been with, and they have a couple new guys in there, that he is not understanding, hey, it's quick game. It's either throw that first read or check down or freaking scramble and make something happen because double clutching the ball there, guys are cutting, O-linemen are cutting. Like you said, they're short setting. They are not expecting there to be a reset on this play, but that because it just shows what a just jumbled mess they are. When the things are going well with him, when they're playing with confidence and he's making these 50-50 throws and they're actually getting completed, it looks beautiful. But now that that they're not, it, it just looks so ugly. And all these plays, they don't have – an offense that raises their bar. They don't have a run game that's consistent. They don't have a passing attack that can consistently generate yards to have these high variance, crazy Wentz plays, you know, to add these ad lib plays. They just don't have anything to lift them up and make it look competent. And so it just looks like a total convoluted mess. It's no accident to me that Nelson Aguilar leads this offense where he's public enemy number one in Philadelphia goes to the Raiders and now looks like an actual viable NFL player. I think that's the difference in the way that these offenses set their players up to fail and succeed. Wentz Mm -hmm. has taken 40 sacks this year. That leads the NFL. He's lost 10 more EPA on sacks than any other player in the league. He's at 67. Burrow's at 57. He's killing this offense, and this offense is not helping him at all. I mean, I just feel like it's a problem that's compounding because it's happening in every single area, and it's like whack-a-mole. It's like when you yeah. find when you solve one, one other one's going to pop up, and then you hit that one, another one pops up. There's just no way for them to address it all at the same time because every single time it feels like they have an answer to one thing, another thing becomes a problem. I don't think they know what their end game is. Like I think when they went to training camp or. And they were trying to put this together. It looks like they just don't have that identity when they go, shit's hitting the fan. Okay. When the Titans, when Titans go down, what do they start doing? Hey, we're getting right back to our run game and we're getting back to our play action stuff. Okay. We know what we are. You can see all the good offenses do it. And with them, and it would not even just be an average offense. There's just like every week it looks, it looks like a different like shit show it's like okay this week is a whole bunch uh, a bunch of rpos and slants that are just getting batted down the week before it might have been dropped back and they couldn't complete any of these seam balls that they're trying to throw it's just like every week they're throwing different stuff against the wall and none of it's sticking and yeah it's just that's kind of the crazy with the epa lost <laughs> i actually didn't know that the fact that it's anyone's brutal. above burrow was is pretty 10. ridiculous it's not 10 even points close above or below it's really bad so yeah Let's move on and let's get to Joe Burrow. I mean, this is not, first of all, I, I don't want the tone of the, the segment normally takes to apply to Joe Burrow here. Joe Burrow did nothing wrong. No. This is a bummer. So Joe Burrow tears his ACL. He's obviously out for the year. Hopefully he'll be back by next season. Hopefully there are no complications. We've seen guys come back from ACLs before. Mm. It's really disappointing just because he was so fun to watch as a rookie. Yeah. And I know that people think we hate Joe Burrow. It's just not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the stuff he was doing, I went back and watched a lot of it last week, and the chemistry he had with Tyler Boyd on some of those throws over the middle of the field, just the timing and the anticipation. He had a throw down the left sideline to A.J. Green today that was just gorgeous. Yeah, Just getting the ball out of his hands, watching him just play the game with his brain, 
was so fun and so unique for a rookie. Just had an ability to handle himself and handle every single piece and how it all fit together in a way you don't normally see with a first-year quarterback. And now that gets taken away. I feel terrible for him. I feel terrible for Bengals fans who have been clamoring for this sort of guy for so long. Now you have him and then you just get him the rug yanked out from under you. And hopefully he comes back next season and they can pick up right where they left off. But it's still a really deflating moment for a team that had so much going for it at this point in the season. It's been great seeing Burrow just be what we all thought he would be in the sense that he's this super smart, super tough, accurate, like guy that can throw on the move, athletic, just this guy that like, yeah, maybe his bar isn't as high as other guys that even got drafted in this class. But he's you could see what he is already. He's a fully fleshed quarterback, like as a rookie. And it's like, oh, okay, so we're going to see this for the next 12, 14 years is this guy that's just a good, solid competitor. I mean, he took that shot before he got hurt. It, it sucks that he got hurt. It really does because he was always going to give them a chance. It would be fun to see the Bengals try and put pieces around him. They have a couple nice weapons, but I mean, as far as just the whole team around him and try and build around him, it would have been fun to see him with, or we might see it now down the road, but it's going to be fun seeing that is with what gets put around him because he is going to be just a nice, solid guy for him. Just sucks to see him out of a rookie. I just want to see more reps from him. Like you said, he's always just so in control. Like he's a guy, he's Joe cool. Like he just, Nothing phases him. Every time there's pressure or something, it's not like there's the head is not spinning. You you can see that with a lot of young quarterbacks. Is you see the the face mask moving side to side, and that sometimes it's fine, but sometimes that means oh, this guy has no idea where he's supposed to be looking, so he's just hoping somebody comes open. A pressure will come in, and Joe's eyes will just slowly transition outwards because he knows oh, I'm pressured. This is where I should go with the ball now. Yep, that's unbelievable for a rookie. Like it, it, it's we're. We're being blessed with a lot of young quarterbacks right now, and just seeing these cerebral guys as a rookie or second-year guys, pretty ridiculous. Just sucks he got hurt. I I, I really like Joe Burrow. I, I want to see him succeed, and I'm, I'm excited to watch his career continue. And I, It sucks for Bengals fans, but hopefully they can make something with this pick and they just can keep building up around pieces uh, pieces around Joe. I don't want to put this guy you know in a bad spot. I don't want to say it's his fault, but you watch what happened on that play. The left guard gets just walked back into him, Jonathan Allen, yeah. with the bull rush. They need to improve their offensive line. I mean, it's yep. not its not a secret. I think that they're set at left tackle and center. You know, they gave Trey Hopkins that extension. They like him. I think that you can see a difference in some of their protection when Trey Hopkins is in the game versus when he wasn't. When Billy Price was in there, Just they were not on the same page in the way that they mm-hmm. had been with Hopkins. So, But talent-wise, there are still deficiencies. They need an upgrade at that left guard spot. They need an upgrade at right tackle. They're going to have a top five pick, most likely. Where do they go with that? If it goes quarterback one, two, three, can you pick that guy from Oregon and stick him at right tackle? I know it's, yeah. I, I still think right tackles and left tackles are mostly interchangeable. You need a better tackle. Yeah. And you just need better team, starters. That's, yes, that's all it is. Just, just yes. better starters. Five, that's five, it. Figure <laughs> five, out where five to put players. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a team that spent a ton of money in free agency last year. I don't know if we're going to have the same sort of spending spree, but. Teams are going to be looking to shed salary this offseason. They're going to have cap space. There are guards out there. There are mm-hmm. Joe Thunies and Brandon Scherfs if you want to have that be the area where you put some money into this team. And I assume some veterans are going to get cut because teams are going to be trying to shed some money. You're going to be in a position to pick some of those guys up. I don't think you can go into next year without having two significant upgrades on that line. If you do have those upgrades, let's look at the receiving core. 
You get Mixon back, you have Boyd, you have Higgins. That's a nice start. Yes. Where do you go with that third spot? Is it somebody like Josh Reynolds, who's a free agent and knows this system? Do you want to spend a little bit more money? The third receiver spot and those two guys in the offensive line, we'll see what they do with tight end. I don't think Drew Sample is the guy. So, and I know Zama's hurt, and so, but I still think that there are ways and there are resources that this team is going to have to build around him. I think the future is extremely bright. This is a tough moment. It's a low moment, I'm sure, for Bengals fans who've been enjoying themselves this season in a way they haven't been able to in recent years. But I still feel like keep one eye on the horizon here. There are going to be better days ahead. He is going to be a really good player for a long time. I'm bummed we won't get to watch him for the rest of this season, but I know I'm excited to watch him next season. All right, that is all we got. It was week 11. I'm, t- I'm convincing you right now. This was week 11. It's not week 12. <laughs> so I'll week see you 12, for week 12. <laughs> you will sue me for week 12. It's a holiday week, but we will be back on our normal schedule. We're going to be coming to you the same way we would be any other week. I'll be back on Wednesday. Really looking forward to the Wednesday show. Speaking of the conversation we just had about Penny Sewell and guys like that, Dane Brugler is going to be joining us on Wednesday to do all things draft. I know nothing outside of the top five guys because like an NFL head coach, I don't start caring about the draft until like February 28th. Yeah. So I'm going to learn a lot. You watch the college football playoffs and you're like, oh, he seems like a fun player. That's exactly. <laughs> that. But honestly, that's I. you talk to head coaches. They don't know shit about these guys. Know. Nothing. It, it, People come up to them in those podium. I'm probably going to get into this with Dane, but at those podium sessions at the combine, people are asking about specific players and they're like, no. yeah, he seems good. They have no idea. They've read so two that's sentences that they've been put in front of them on the guy. And if they maybe read it, like that's the only guys that they actually know about. It's if they got bored enough to read. <laughs> That's why I don't feel bad for not starting my draft prep until like March 1st, because I'm not alone in that. So we're going to get into that. There's so many quarterbacks. I think there's tons of stuff to dig into. So we're going to do that. Lindsay will be here on Thursday. So Thanksgiving or not, we will be coming to you guys the same way we are. Please rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. I would really appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. Just constantly good stuff on there. Ted wrote something awesome last week about the uh, Dolphins blitz schemes. We didn't talk about the Dolphins today. We'll probably talk about them later in the week. I did not watch that game. I will readily admit that. I was watching the Packers game. But you will not regret your subscription to The Athletic. There's tons of good stuff on there every single week so please do that but until we're back thank you so much for listening to the athletic football show we'll talk to you guys later this was the athletic football show